0: Hello and welcome back to Touch and Go! For those of you who are wondering, I am feeling much better a few days after uh, part one of what am I doing here. Um, I think over the weekend I just, like I said, I just battled with myself, wrestled with my own thoughts and wasn't really able to be fully present in the moment and enjoy the downtime but here I am back in Winnipeg, schedules packed again. <laughs> no time for personal contemplation so we're good and because i'm feeling better i'm ready to tell you about um just the practical aspects of what i'm doing here how i'm spending my days so you have a better sense of uh, my life here in ghana here's the laydown. so like i said it's been over a month now we're finally into a routine and i'll tell you all about it so what am i doing here i'm part of a program called project 10 which is run through the Jewish Agency in Israel. Uh, This project has centers in countries like Ghana, for example, as well as Uganda, Mexico, parts of South Africa and more. Uh, Each cycle runs for three months. There are three in a year in each location. And uh, each cycle is made up of a group of volunteers. In my case, there are 14 of us, a director, and a coordinator made up of both local and uh, foreign individuals. And this program really advocates for sustainable and ethical volunteering. What does that mean? Uh, I'll, I'll go into that a little bit now. So, in terms of sustainability, every part of our volunteering, which is based mostly on informal education in schools in a specific city, The programs that we create use only materials that A, the students already have and B, that the students can reuse over and over again. Things like bags for water, bottle caps, uh, leftover pieces of paper. Nothing goes to waste and there's nothing that we're bringing in from countries like Canada or Israel that the students cannot access themselves here. In addition, uh, we have very strict Boundaries put in place for our relationship with the students, so we're only here for three months for three months and After us comes another cohort like we came after the cohort before us as Such it's very important for us not to get too connected to any specific individual So that there's not this trauma bond created between us where once we leave we sort of made these deep connections And then we're just gone just like that So as to avoid that, we're constantly being cycled around in different groups. We try our best not to work with the same group of students twice so that they're seeing a group of volunteers from abroad, but no specific volunteer is making more of an impact on them than others. And this was really important to me before I joined the program because a big concept that I'm trying to work against is the idea of volunteerism. Where you come to a third world country you paint a fence in some farm for a day and you smile you take a picture and you go home uh, this is really not that and we've had to learn sort of to embrace the humility of making this program not about us and the students but about the bigger project in mind the bigger picture and often we don't even see the results of the work that we do ourselves it's only Cycles later, that our results, that our work really bears fruit. And I think that that's a good indicator of the ethical component of the volunteering that we're doing here. Now, I can't speak for other countries, but I'll talk a bit about how we live here uh, in Ghana, in Winneba. We live in a communal house, all of us together. The volunteer house uh, has four bedrooms and three bathrooms. And then in our garden, which encircles the house, there are sort of a few shed-like structures (laughs) where our staff, including our director, our local coordinator, and two Israeli coordinators sleep. In the main house, there's a kitchen, a dining room, um, and like I said, we have this large garden and pavement circling around the house. Uh, We're bordered by some coconut trees, which we've gotten our guards to actually climb and bring us a few coconuts, mango trees, and laundry lines next to a big tank of clean water that we use for laundry, among other things. Like I mentioned, we are bordered by a large, formidable fence with electrical wires on top to keep any danger at bay. This is the place where we sleep. Eat three times a day and spend most of our downtime. It's five minutes away from Sir Charles Beach. I can see the ocean from my bedroom and I can even hear it from the garden. If you listen closely, you might hear some waves right now as I'm sitting just under a tree right here. We have guards 24 um, 7 standing by the gates to let us in and out and surveying the grounds. In our free time, you can find people doing all sorts of things. You'll see individuals reading on the couch, uh, making coffee or Milo, here they call it Milo. It's like a malted chocolate drink that I grew up with, actually. And it's funny to see it here in Africa where it comes from. You can see girls working out on the balcony, doing nails in their bedroom, searching for something to nush in the fridge, scrolling through Instagram, working on their laundry by hand in the backyard or talking to family back home. But all of these things which keep us entertained in our free time really are secondary to what we are here for. So what does our week look like? Here in Winiba, we're working with eight different schools in the city. Ampa, Unipra, Municipal, Acacia Village, Zongo, St. Annas, St. Clair and Church of Christ. Now, these schools are mixes of both public and private schools. What's the difference, you might wonder? Typically, a private school here is run by individuals. Uh, the students, apparently, end up with a better education and better English. Teachers, meanwhile, get paid very poorly because since it's not the money isn't coming from the government, uh, individuals are paying for their income. And their salaries so there just isn't that much to go around. There is good parental support from the students and typically better results. Now government-run schools or public schools have better pay for the teachers and require higher qualifications for teachers to get jobs in the public schools. The classes are much bigger, there is poor parental support. That being said, the academic results are still good and most importantly there are no fees for the students typically in schools we visit students from p4 to jhs2 which is the equivalent of around grade 4 to uh, grades 8 this is around kids kids between the ages of 8 and 14 years old that being said the ages do vary very much because um, i think in one of my classes there's even someone who's nearing 25 years old And that's for a number of different reasons. Uh, It could be that they were forced to leave school when they were young because they had responsibilities at home. Uh, If you are in a family of fishermen, you might have to go away at sea uh, to work for a while or any number of, of causes. Which is why the age varies in places. As part of our volunteering, we provide six different kinds of lessons to each school every week. The first kind of lesson is called thinking through games, where we use cognitive games that require uh, deep thinking, strategy and logic to succeed. And like I said, all of these games are created by the volunteers who are specifically assigned to that group using only sustainable materials, bottle caps, cartons left over from food that we've consumed and things like that. The next project is story time where each week we read a story and, and uh, give a, an activity based on that story. For example, we read a story about the different seasons and then did some trivia on the story and concluded with a collage on one of the seasons. Interestingly, for example, a lot of the kids here don't know about four seasons because here in Ghana there are only two, the dry season and the wet season. So hearing things like winter and hibernation are very foreign to them. Especially telling them that I'm from Canada and explain what a blizzard and a snowman is, is always a good laugh. The next activity is art, where we engage in, again, using sustainable materials, special uh, activities that allow the kids to take something home with them that day. For example, origami bookmarks or noisemakers filled with rocks or sand or seashells. Then we have social games, which is our most active component of our lessons, where specific volunteers are given the task of creating games that that advocate for teamwork, leadership, and cooperation. Uh, Very active games outside, usually using a ball or sort of some kind of um, running activity, something like that. My personal project is called Better Together. Better Together is a program designed for the older kids in JHS 1 and 2 basically middle school to allow them to better develop their personal identities so as to determine how they can help and advocate for themselves and their broader communities this sounds like a big task and uh, it's really a meaningful experience to slowly get to know these students better and help them sort of unlock these traits and qualities and skills within themselves to know where they can shine and where they can really make a difference i'm very grateful to be a part of this team and really enjoy making the lesson plans which again just like all informal education is mostly based on games and active activities as well as some writing and personal reflection. In addition with Better Together, I'm partnered with another group who are in charge of the farm. Close to our house here in Winiba, about a three minute walk away, is the the Project 10 farm, where we grow things like eggplants and red peppers. I think we're going to be starting to plant tomatoes soon. And as part of farm, we provide students with educational resources about things like composting, greenhouses, and soil, um, and also engage them in practical activities. We're currently in the middle of fixing the fence of the farm and also creating a real greenhouse. In addition, every week we add our scraps of compost into the farm to help the kids see how uh, sort of the, how every bit of our daily Um, materials can really be used to regenerate more growth these are the programs that we engage in every week and since i'm part of better together i'm responsible for creating the lesson plans with my partner and delivering them as well so what does a typical morning look like all 18 of us gather for breakfast at 8 unless you're on duty or in charge of the day in which case you're up at six thirty cooking breakfast we all leave the house at eight forty with all our supplies needed and we taxi to a different school once we arrive at the school we deliver a one hour lesson on let's say story time to a class ranging from 20 kids to over 70. let's look at Ampa for example this is a public school Um, The students wear uh, purple checkered uniforms, there are kids everywhere and uh, the the class basically is a very basic wooden structure led by one teacher teaching two classes separated just by a sheet to divide them. Uh, Here we deliver story time the volunteers are divided into small groups. Each volunteer gets a group of about five or six children. we deliver our lesson. Then we give a second class which for example might be better together at the Zongo school where I with two fellow volunteers lead the second one hour workshop for the older kids. After the first two hours of lessons we head home for lunch and of course the reapplication of necessary deodorant. Every school is very different and it creates very different results for the same lesson plan that we may create and gives us a variety of different experiences for each volunteer. As I described earlier, the difference between public and private schools is quite significant. Uh, for example, we have Ampa, which I described, and in comparison we have St. Annas, which is a smaller class, actually um, a school that hosts orphans and teaches them as well, among other students. In St. Annas, when I deliver my lessons, it's in a tiny room that is very dark, and when the fan is on, it is incredibly loud and difficult to hear the students who barely speak above a whisper. So often we turn it off, and I come out of this class dripping and exhausted. (laughs) Zongo, for example, is a Muslim school that is also open to students of other religions high energy levels of the students, large classes, and very much big kids. For example, today I had a class in Zongo, and they were made up of um, only boys. And I'm giving over my instructions for the lesson, talking in front of these boys who are just towering over me. St. Clair, for example, is a bright green school very close to our house here and it is well-equipped the students are incredibly intelligent their English level is very high and the classrooms themselves are significantly more stable than others smart and energetic kids as well lastly Church of Christ for example there's a constant fear of death (laughs) at this school we're working in an area where um, the school is being better constructed and there's uh, sort of this half-built structure where we teach with gaping holes and precarious staircases. The kids though are smart, uh, the, their grounds don't really matter to them, and we're working on really pulling them out of their shells even more. So in short, you can see that every school has a different atmosphere, different kinds of kids, but what's common among them all is the level of respect and the engagement with the lessons. At lunch, uh, we sit around the table and think about the upcoming afternoon uh, and celebrate or try to forget our morning, depending on how it went. What does the afternoon look like? I'll introduce you to something we call Books and Things. Now, past the farm, just a few more minutes from our house here in Winneba, is our educational centre called Books and Things. We have two levels of involvement with Books and Things in the afternoon. The first hour is a closed lesson, where we invite a specific class to our centre to deliver one of the lessons I described earlier, be it art, story time, thinking through games, for example. The second hour is an open lesson, where at 3pm, we usher in kids from the community to read, play and draw. These could be kids from schools that we know. They could be kids who don't go to school. Any kids that we see who can be there at 3 p.m. and who have a face mask with them due to COVID are invited in and we do all sorts of things like puzzles, um, art, or like I said, story time. Now it's four o'clock and I'm completely wiped out. All of us trudge home, flop on the couch and just take a moment to breathe. We have a brief period of short time of free time excuse me before dinner so often i'll go to the beach with a friend and walk and talk i might do a workout do some laundry outside even head to the local library to pick up some new books then we have dinner again communally everyone sits down we eat together we clean together followed by a session be it on ghanaian history international development local perspective of someone living in the community or personal reflection and after that finally comes a moment of rest where we can chill and hang out. By this time most of us are too exhausted to do any of that and we usually just head to bed. Bed. So that's a day in the life. Our weekends are either spent lesson planning and preparation for the coming weeks or traveling. For example, last time I spoke to you I was in Kumasi in the Ashanti region about six hours away from where I am now. In addition today is Tuesday and on Tuesdays we get a night out where we can leave the center there is no planned programming and today we're all gonna head to the beach to have dinner there followed by drinks. I hope this paints a better picture of what a day in the life looks like here. Uh, As I said Everything is packed. There's a strict and busy schedule, often leaving us with no time to think. But I'm going to work on spending those moments of reflection and some moments with myself to really recognize the work that we're doing here and try and see the big picture as well. So that's the long and short of it. And I'm excited for what's to come next. Thanks for listening.